with a lot of the exemplars that we are going to talk about, when you think about a patient who has um, perf has perfusion issues, um, especially things like hypertension, if they've had a previous MI, they're at risk for an MI, um, if they have dysrhythmia such as AFib, we're looking at this risk of clotting um, and blood clots forming. So often we're going to see patients with perfusion issues um, they're going to be on an anticoagulant or an antiplatelet. So I pulled this from your book. I think it was in um, it was in the Med Surge book, maybe like chapter thirty-two. Um, just as something that this would help us for a lot of different patients who are at risk for um, clots and they're going to be on anticoagulants. We want to think about um, the fact that they're on this anticoagulant. It's thinning the blood more. Um, they are more likely to bleed, so what are things I can do to help prevent bleeding? So you can take a look a, at that list. Um, I think one of the things that I, a couple of the things that I think about, um, that I would think about on a daily basis while working as a nurse, is a lot of uh, patients, uh, male patients who are in there for a while, or even female patients who are in the hospital for a while, are asking for help with shaving. So teaching the patients about using the proper shaver, we do not want to use disposable shavers because they're more likely to nick themselves and then bleed, so they have to use an electric shaver. Um, another common thing that always came up was the toothbrush, educating them on a soft bristle. Um, softer the bristle, the less likely that they're going to bleed from their gums, so that reduces the chance of bleeding. And then in the hospital, another big thing we're always worried about, and I mean this applies at home too, but falls of course are always on our mind, but especially for that patient who's on in anticoagulant and they're at that high risk of bleeding so if they fall and they have an injury especially if you're thinking of like a head injury um, then that bleeding risk and even hemorrhaging um, it really elevates when they're on that anticoagulant so take a look at the rest of these on this list um, something else i want you to think about um, so we talked about anticoagulants we talked about antiplatelets antiplatelets are going to um, prevent those platelets from clumping up so it allows them to pass through in the blood. Um, when we think about common antiplatelets, we think about aspirin and clopidogrel, which the other name for clopidogrel is Plavix. So this, some of the, those are some of the common ones that you'll see prescribed. And a lot of times a patient will be on an antiplatelet just for those normal age risk factors. You know, if a patient is, um, I want to say they say over the age of 50, doctors will recommend like a baby aspirin every day. Um, now if somebody's risks increase, what you'll see more nowadays, and I can attest to this being, um, you know, in clinical I've seen so many patients now, um, especially on the heart floor where these patients have more than just age as a risk factor, they're on dual antiplatelet therapy where they're not only taking aspirin but they're also taking clopidogrel. So I've definitely seen that increase in these uh, last few years being in clinical. Just I guess research is showing that both of those together is helping to prevent clots than just aspirin alone or just clopidogrel alone. And then of course, um, you know, you probably read in the books that like they'll tell you don't. If you're on one antiplatelet, you're not going to take more than one or if you're on one anticoagulant, you're not going to take that together with another one. Um, and that depends on the patient, because like I said, nowadays you're seeing, you know, as these patients are getting sicker and they're having more diseases, they're noticing that um, under doctor supervision, 
um, the doctor deciding to put you on more than one antiplatelet or more than like an anticoagulant antiplatelet together is another combination you'll see. But we wouldn't want the patient to do that on their own. Um, something that you may come across as well is you know, a patient may be on something like an antiplatelet, let's say aspirin, and there's some herbal remedies that are contraindicated because they could cause more bleeding um, or they could cause um, yeah, they could cause more bleeding. So uh, common herbal remedies that could potentiate that bleeding risk for someone who's on an antiplatelet anticoagulant would be um, ginkgo biloba and garlic because those actually thin the blood on their own. So if then if they're taking both of those together, so this would be something they would have to be like advised by the doctor to do. So we would kind of educate them on that risk of um, different herbal remedies. And then the St. John's wort comes up all the time. You know, we've, we've talked about that before with like depression medications and it's contraindicated. St. John's wort is also contraindicated if you're on antiplatelet, anticoagulant. Um, other things to think about if they're on um, antiplatelet, anticoagulant would be the lab values. So with an antiplatelet, um, of course we're going to look at lab values. Um, I'm sorry, we're going to look at platelet values. Um, so we would look at that if they are... Um, there's nothing, there's no real monitoring of, as far as like, if someone's on aspirin, you don't try to reach a therapeutic level. Some of these other drugs that are anticoagulants, you have to reach a therapeutic range. So we have certain labs that we look at to help us know if we're in that range. So if someone who's on aspirin or clopidogrel, you don't do that. There, you know, you, there's nothing that we would do, but we would look at things like platelets you know, H and H or red blood cell count, because if we notice those things, um, we're decreasing, then we're thinking, oh, they're bleeding. Um, so we would want to watch out for that, or even telling the patient, like, describe to me, you know, signs and symptoms you're having, what would be signs and symptoms of bleeding? Um, if they have, you know, they're going to bruise more easily, but if they're having like really large, like hematomas or something, we would be worried about that. Or if they're having like excruciating abdominal pain, we would be worried about that, that maybe they're bleeding internally, which I have seen in a uh, patient in clinical last year, uh, where they had, they were on heparin. Um, they were on heparin and they were complaining of pain, excruciating pain throughout the night and nobody was really picking up on it. And then finally in the morning, I mean, this guy, you could hear him out in the hallway just screaming. Um, and then finally a doctor had come in to assess him. And when he palpated his abdomen, like he just screamed so loud and the guy ordered us, or the doctor ordered a CT scan and sure enough, he was bleeding internally. So right away they stopped the heparin. Um, so that is a huge risk, of course, that they're going to be bleeding with these. Um, so then as far as like anticoagulants that we have to monitor for that normal or that therapeutic range, heparin is one of them. So with heparin, um, most places are going to be using that APTT, activated partial thromboplastin time. Um, at Christ, they have another one and I always forget the name of it. I think it's called un UFA, maybe unfractionated something or other. Um, and so this would be the lab that's ordered routinely, and it helps the doctor and or the pharmacist dose the heparin. Um, it helps us reach that therapeutic level. Meanwhile, as the nurse, I'm still looking for signs of bleeding, you know, and that includes looking at other labs like platelets, H&H red blood cells, looking at the patient for signs of bleeding, like any physical signs of bleeding. 
And then the other um, medication, warfarin. With warfarin, the lab that we have to use to help us dose the warfarin and reach a therapeutic level and monitor that is the PTINR. So with the PTINR, we'll be assessing that. Um, in normal PTINR for a patient who's not on warfarin or not on anticoagulant is 0.8 to 1.2. Now if they're on an anticoagulant, we are thinning the blood, they're bleeding easier, it's going to take longer for the blood to clot, so your INR is actually going to go up. And kind of like about the average, the, the range that we're usually shooting for is about 2 to 3 if they're on warfarin. We want their INR to be 2 to 3. So those are just some key things to think about with anticoagulants, antiplatelets, uh, our risk of bleeding, because like I said, we're going to see this uh, a lot with um, with perfusion, and then actually again, of course, when we talk about clotting.